the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. Today's cannabis is not your father's cannabis. With escalating concentrations in liquid and solid form, in gummies and chocolate bars, it is now possible to overindulge. Acute cannabis intoxication can land you in the ER. Anabuelo Pharma is working to create an antidote. Dr. Ken Kundi is the chief scientific officer. Dr. Kundi, welcome to the program. Thanks, Moira. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, the summer of love, San Francisco, 1969. The hippies, young people from all over the world came to San Francisco that summer, and they were smoking marijuana, grass, cannabis, What's the difference in potency between the cannabis smoked by the hippies during the summer of love and what you would regularly obtain today? Well, so cannabis has evolved over time here because of uh, really the growth in use of cannabis since the 60s and 70s to what it is today. So back in the day, uh, you would obtain versions of cannabis that had maybe 5% of the active ingredient. And the active ingredient in cannabis is what we call Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, complicated name, but THC. And THC would be about 5% of that product. These days, with the growth in legalization and decriminalization, the market has grown, the competition has grown, and so there are much more potent and pure versions now where you can see greater than 30% in the smoked version. And then there are oral uh, edible forms that are now extremely potent as well. So it's a it's a different game these days than it was back in the uh, 60s and 70s. And there are also many different ways of ingesting it. That's correct. So as this competition grew, you know, right now there are 23 states that have legalized recreational use, uh, and there are 38 states that have actually legalized medicinal use of cannabis. So that's led to a very large market, a lot of competition, new forms for ingestion and the the ones that are growing very rapidly are edible forms often these look like normal foods so they may look like chocolate or gummies and they have a very high content of thc so what happens when you ingest in any form that active ingredient thc what happens in the brain in the body yeah so thc acts on a receptor in the brain called the cannabinoid receptor type 1, or CB1 for short. And CB1 is one of the most abundant receptors in the brain. And its normal role is to regulate the release of other neurotransmitters. So it has a controlling effect on many functions in the brain. So throughout the rest of the body, there's also some receptors of CB1, but it's primarily in the brain. And there's a second receptor where CB2 uh, is actually targeted by cannabinoids in the periphery, so in the outside parts of the body and has other effects. But all the brain effects, so all the, all the good effects, all the bad effects of THC on the brain are mediated by one receptor, and that is CB1. So people feel high. What is that? So CB1 uh, stimulation, when it's partially stimulated, can lead to euphoria. So, you know, the body normally has a balance between feeling good and feeling bad. So CB1 regulates where you are with that. It keeps it in a in, in a stable situation. So when there's too much overstimulation of CB1, then you start to get the negative effects on the brain. 
of overstimulation of CB1. And that is the effects you see from consuming too much uh, cannabinoids or too much cannabis. And those can include things like sedation, anxiety, you can have panic attacks, you can even have psychosis. And these are the things that lead people uh, to seek uh, medical attention. How many people in the United States use cannabis at some level and, and how many people get into trouble with it? Do we have any numbers? Yes. Yeah, so let's put that in perspective. In the U.S. alone, about 50 million people are using cannabis. And that is uh, about 18% of the population. That's a huge number compared to other things like cocaine or opiates. And out of that 50 million people, obviously many people are trying new forms of cannabis or many are actually unfamiliar uh, with the amount of cannabis in the products they're seeing. So in the year 2019, about 1.7 million people reported to emergency departments with some form of cannabis-related uh, toxicity. And in a lot of cases, we, we see that is acute intoxication with cannabis or other cannabinoids. Well, with 50 million users and much stronger products and, and many more options for consuming them, and the fact that it's legal in many places, people can unintentionally take too much. What does it look like? How serious is it? When do they end up in the ER? Right. So what happens is when people who take too much cannabis or overdose uh, on a cannabinoid, they can have symptoms of severe sedation. They can have anxiety. They can have panic attacks, even psychosis. And that may lead them then to go to the emergency department to seek medical attention. In fact, in the U.S. in 2019, about 1.7 million people ended up in the emergency department with some form of cannabis-related issue. And many of those were intoxication as the result of an overexposure to THC. Well, what's the standard of care for these people as they show up in the ER? So there is no approved drug for treating ACI. What happens is physicians may try to treat some of the symptoms uh, with other drugs. So if you have a fast heart rate, they may give you a drug that's designed to lower your heart rate, like a beta blocker. If you come in with anxiety, they may give you a, a drug for anxiety, like a benzodiazepine. But nothing they do is addressing this underlying reason for the bad effects of the cannabis, which is stimulation of the CB1 receptor. If you should find yourself in the ER with an overdose of THC, how long do you expect to be there? Right. So if someone has taken a, an edible form of THC, the effects can last anywhere from 8 to 12 to 24 hours, depending on the dose and the individual. So you may end up in the hospital and you may be sitting there waiting to recover from your symptoms for many hours. In fact, if you have what we call psychiatric symptoms, so maybe the psychosis or the agitation, you might be escalated by the emergency department to the psychiatric ward, and there you're going to be present even longer. You may have overnight stays. You may actually be evaluated for other treatments as well. So it could last a long time. So now let's look at the drug that Nebulo is developing. And, and as we're just talking about it here, let's be clear, you've, you've completed phase two. 
You've been in discussions with the FDA for phase three and have gotten the feedback that says, okay, here's how we go into phase three. You've, you've got a clear path here. What's the principle behind your drug? Right, so our drug is ANEB001, A-N-E-B001, and it is a blocker of the CB1 receptor. It's what we call an antagonist. So it actually sits on the receptor and prevents THC from overstimulating the CB1 pathway. And what that results in then is a blocking of these unwanted effects of cannabis that are causing the sedation, the anxiety, and even the euphoria, uh, completely blocking the, uh, the normal effects of THC. So cannabis may still be in your system, but you're not processing it. That's correct. Well, your, your system will still have THC in it, and it will eventually get rid of it. But while it's there, it's not having those unwanted effects on the brain because the CB1 receptor has been blocked. Now, you've just completed the phase two study. How did it work? What did you do? And what did you learn? Right. So we conducted a phase two study to try and replicate in healthy subjects what normally occurs when you've been overdosed with THC. So basically, we take healthy subjects and we give them what's called a challenge study. Uh, so they get a challenge dose of THC, and then they're either immediately treated with our antidote, or we wait a while and then treat them with our antidote. And this study was run in the Netherlands at a place called the Center for Human Drug Research, which has done many studies with cannabis. So we initially set this study up in three parts. The first part uh, was completed with relatively high doses of our drug and relatively low doses of THC. So we took 60 people, we gave them all 10 and a half milligrams of THC, and then we treated them either with a placebo or with a 50 milligram dose of our drug or a 100 milligram dose of our drug. And what we saw in that situation was that we blocked the key outcomes for THC. So we decreased the feeling high, we increased the alertness in those subjects. Then we moved to the second part of the study, which was really six groups, one after the other, where we gradually changed the THC dose or changed our antidote dose. So we actually pushed people to a 30 milligram dose of THC, which is pretty high. Um, and we were able to show that even if you waited one hour before you gave them ANEB001, you could rapidly reverse whatever TH symptoms they were having. So you got a very significant decrease in their feeling high, improvement in their alertness, a decrease in their body sway, which is a measure of their balance. A body sway. <laughs> body sway. And then an improvement in their uh, heart rate. So their heart rate also was shown to decrease. So in that setting, we saw a key reduction in all of these symptoms of THC that normally would be looked at as that's what you normally see in a in a subject who has ACI. As an update, we have also extended that phase two study now to a third part, so part C. And in that, we were able to give higher THC doses than we've ever given before. So going as high as 40 milligrams or 60 milligrams. And the only way we could do that was to make sure every subject also received our antidote, ANAB001, at the same time. And when we did that, we saw very mild outcomes, so no overt effects of THC, clearly showing that we're having 
beneficial effects, even at very high doses of THC. So summer of love, we're talking 5 to 10%, mostly in the 5%, and you're testing now up to 60 milligrams, and uh, you're trying to get the, the, full, the full spectrum of what can be delivered today. That's right. We're trying to capture in healthy subjects a, a sense of what is going to be going on in the emergency department. So as much as we can give safely to healthy people, uh, we're getting pretty close now to what would actually put people into the hospital. Now, is this an injection? Is this, what is this? So this is a single oral capsule that is given, like I said, in the study we gave it either with the THC or an hour after the THC, but it's one dose and that's enough to take care of the uh, of the symptoms for the duration. Now, as you go into phase three, I know you're planning that now, how will that differ from what you did in phase two? So phase two was purely a uh, an attempt in healthy subjects to create symptoms like we might see in an emergency department. So our plan going forward is actually to do some of the work in that setting, so still use large numbers of uh, healthy volunteers or other volunteers and test our drug and, and its ability to block and reverse the effects of THC. But the other aspect is we will do a study in an emergency department setting where we will take actual patients that are presenting with these symptoms of ACI and show what the effects are for reversal uh, with our drug. Now, these are intentional users who got into trouble. I'm thinking with these edibles like the gummies and chocolate, children can easily get into the stash to use the vernacular. What do we know about when children consume these products? Right. So with children, it's a particularly serious event if they have an overdose of a cannabinoid that stimulates CB1. So it doesn't take, obviously their bodies are smaller, it doesn't take as much drug to cause these serious outcomes. And that can present in the form of severe sedation, even respiratory depression where you, you have trouble breathing. Uh, and in the worst cases, it can lead to children that are in the coma because of much too high exposures to THC. What do you do for children then? So currently, as I said, there are no treatments, approved treatments for ACI. So what's happening right now with children is they are being managed uh, by, in a lot of cases, they're even using uh, respirators in order to manage their breathing if they have respiratory depression. Uh, but they're also being treated with the other drugs that I mentioned to try and address some of the symptoms, but that is very difficult in children. So it is. this is a, a very serious setting. I'm having difficulty trying to figure out how you would test in children. Yeah, so it's always a, a progression in uh, getting a drug ready for, for treating adults and then children. You always start with adults generally. Uh, so we would obviously try to get this drug out there and ready to be used in the setting of adults. But at the same time, we would be looking to expand the studies into the younger age groups. And one of the things we do to address that as well is to look at other ways of giving the drug. Obviously, if you're a young infant uh, or an infant that has symptoms as severe as I described, then uh, they cannot be treated with an oral capsule. So we're also looking at what we call parenteral or not oral. Uh, it's given by injection. 
uh, as an alternative way to give ANEB001 in those cases. Well, I would imagine that some of the people that show up in the emergency room, they, uh, they're incapable of taking a tablet. That's correct. So in the more severe cases, even in adults, there are some that have vomiting as a result of their overdose of THC or of other cannabinoids. And so those, those would also be ones where having something else you could inject may add value. So that's definitely something we're pursuing right now. Now, I have to ask this one question. The, the receptor in the brain, it's called CB1. Is the CB for cannabinoid, uh, or is this just a coincidence? It's called the CB1 because it was discovered originally using cannabis. So when researchers were trying to figure out what was the reason that cannabis causes uh, the brain effects that it causes, they identified receptors. And the first, obviously, was called a cannabinoid binding receptor type 1, or CB1. It's only later that they really figured out what the normal body uh, compounds are that activate that pathway, and those are called endocannabinoids. So they knew about cannabinoids first, and then they found the receptors, so they named it after it. That's correct, yes. So it's very similar to what we call the nicotinic receptors in the brain, and these were discovered by using nicotine. So what happens is often we have compounds that are natural, that obviously have effects, and then researchers figure out how they're having the effects by identifying the receptors. And so they're named after the natural uh, compound before we even know what it is in the body that is also uh, activating them. So do we have receptors in our body that don't have any names? Yeah, there are receptors that are still being identified. Those are what we call orphan receptors. (laughs) So until they're adopted (laughs) by something or someone or some condition... They're just orphans. That's correct. Yeah, until someone either finds a natural compound that activates them or finds exactly what in the body their purpose is, uh, they remain orphans. Well, Dr. Kundi, uh, thank you so much for coming in. I hope you come back. Keep us updated. Thanks very much, Moira. It was great to talk to you. My guest today is Dr. Ken Kundi, the Chief Scientific Officer of Anabuelo Pharmaceuticals. More information is available at anabuelo.com. That's A-N-E-B-U-L-O, anabuelo.com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.